Ian Collins wants a word. Powered by the Mitsubishi L200. With a five-year, 125,000-mile warranty that goes on and on longer than a party political conference. Hello? Hello? Is there anybody there? Hello? I can't hear you. Hello? 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 Ian Collins wants a word. Where's the fluffer? You see, that's the kind of podcast we are dealing with here. We're dealing with a team uh, that fails to supply what you might call the fundamentals. I mean, they've got one on the bloody bugle. That's why Zaltzman's always smiling. And on the show, this. Hey, Ian, ever done the Fandango? A Justin Bieber drug stash worth of this. I was hosting a show called Mobster Lobster at the time where I wore a lobster outfit and I ran ne- around I the Bootsy Garden. Of course you didn't. It's only the F1 bloke, Jake Humphrey... And we'd be failing like fools if we didn't proffer a large amount of this. Splink! Oh, we're looking forward to that. It's not all entertainment. Sideshow Kev's here. Oh, you're so kind. I know. Really? Love it, yes. Have you got uh, questions from, what do you call it, social media? Yeah, you look You look good, though. You look like you've got a tan. You really? Look, yeah, you look, you know, you look like you're, you've been... Ref- Have you been to a spa? Been catching the rays out there. Yeah. yeah. But you look refreshed. There's something else as well. You think so? Yeah. I don't know what it is. Are you using a, a lotion? I mean, there's something, there's a glue about you. Are you pregnant? Yes, I'm pregnant, Kev. Ah, oh, congratulations. I'm up the dove. I'm a medical curiosity. You're certainly a medical curiosity. <laughs> what have you got, Kev? It's questions and feedback via social media, uh, like Facebook, Grinder, Twitter. What else have we got? Uh, Friends Reunited. You name it. Yeah. We probably do it. We do. From Lenny the Lion. Lenny says, love the podcast, lads, but surprised there's no mention of Margaret Thatcher's passing. Any reason? Also, from Gary the Architect. Two weeks now, and still no mention of Thatcher. Are you losing it, Collins? There's nothing to say about Thatcher, really. It's just a polarised thing, isn't it? She destroyed the country, she saved the country. She was fabulous, she wasn't so fabulous, all of that. The only thing I thought was interesting is that we'd only had an Argentinian Pope for two weeks. <laughs> and Thatcher died. Is that a coincidence? I, I, I'm, I would imagine Did it Did he lob is. some papal magic onto Thatch? Great band. Playing the electric ballroom next week. I did notice on the back of last week's episode when we were talking about the uh, that I was part of a conspiracy theory for yes. the BBC, that they were inundated with people all claiming that the BBC were biased over the Thatcher coverage and then the funeral, but it was completely 50-50. And I was into that feedback programme, mm. and on there they played uh, voice messages of people clearly had more success with it than we did. I was going to say, so <laughs> a voicemail, was it a sort of roulette-style thing? It was voicemail roulette. Yeah. And so you, you get the actual angry listeners saying, Hello, Radio 4, this is Deirdre from <laughs> Sunderland, and I'd like to know why the extensive cover of Margaret Thatcher and stuff. That's Deirdre as played by Dick Emery. You bastards. And then the next one would be, you know, typical BBC, you're a clearly left-wing bunch of bloody Marxists, the way you covered it, you hate the great lady. And they got a 50-50 polar, which is exactly what we were talking about last week with the Tom Bolatron thing. Yeah. So that's that's the reason why we didn't mention Thatcher. There was nothing to say, really. Well, no, people think you have a love for the woman. And in fairness, I've been around your house and there has been a copy of her diaries by the side of your toilet. Pages ripped out. I, I don't know what you did with them. Only chapter two. So yes, Thatcher is dead. There we go. Breaking news, everybody. She, Thatcher is dead. Yeah, she's probably not coming back. No. Probably. 
from Travis. The TARDIS. Doctor Who's been sh** recently. There's virtually no special effects or spaceships, and it all seems to be filmed in Dorset, and even David Tennant can't be bothered to do his accent anymore. He goes on to say, Blake 7 was far better than Doctor Who ever has been, and it's coming back. So two points there. Yeah. Doctor Who in Dorset, with David Tennant being Scottish, and Blake 7. Well, uh, he's talking about this broad church. Possibly, or he's just really, really high. Can I just say, Olivia Coleman? Yes. Good as she was in different strokes. <laughs> She's not Vanessa Redgrave. Stop giving her all the jobs. She is working a lot. I think she's good. I like her. I think she comes across as quite personable. And of course, she played Carol Thatcher in The Iron Lady. Did she? Yeah. I thought we weren't going to mention Thatcher again. <laughs> the last reference. Uh, Bro- I don't understand uh, what Broadchurch. I only heard about it when it had finished. It was good. I liked it. I watched it all the way. What was through. it a murder mystery thing or? It's exactly police it was, cop drama. It was exactly all of the things you've just mentioned and more. Yeah. Uh, but for ITV, it was it was a good sort. Well, they've been knocking out some hefty drama. The Selfridge, I didn't watch it, but no. you know, they've been doing a lot of that lately. And of course, you know, Downson. Abby. Abby. <laughs> That's it. Although I was hugely disappointed with Broadchurch because I watched the second last episode and I had it in my head it was the last one and it just sort of finished and I was like, this oh, is sh- that's a rubbish ending. <laughs> Nothing got resolved. Like watching Twin Peaks all over again. Yeah. Blake 7, however. Yes. I mean, wasn't that just... I mean, I couldn't stomach that as a kid. I couldn't, couldn't get my head around that. Because it really did look as if the spaceships had been... I mean, Doctor Who was always a bit cheesy but more cheesy retrospectively whereas Blake 7 even via the eyes of a 7 year old was cheesy then it looked like Janet Ellis had made the spaceship well she did but Blake 7 was also sort of meant to be a sort of prime time science fiction based drama at the time because Doctor Who was on probably Mm. half past five on a Saturday night whereas Blake 7 would be on like on a Tuesday at 8 o'clock why would you put a kids program on at 7 o'clock no not a kids program of course, a kids' program. No, it's not Anything kids that's program. sci-fi and space is a kids' program. No, no that's not the case. It's about pretend spaceships. Broaden your mind. What kind of adult uh, would sit and watch? Oh, look, it's a spaceship. I think we're going to the planet Toid. <laughs> and look, <laughs> there's some nasty aliens. Shoot them. You, you, you. You say that, I'm going to pitch that to Sky. We could be on next week. They'll have it. But Blake Seven, Martin Campbell, the director, is involved in this remake, this US remake of Blake Seven. They're bringing Blake 7 back. They're casting for it. Seriously. I could be in Blake 7. They'd be bringing V back next. They brought V back. Nobody watched it. They cancelled it again. Big V to that, then. So it would seem. From Phil McCavity. Stop it. Well done, Phil. (laughs) Can either of you chumps shine some light on the whereabouts of F1 commentator Jake Humphrey? One minute he was there, then Susie Perry showed up. Susie Perry. Is she all right? Is she any good? Yeah, she's all right. She does that gadget thing. Is that a genuine email? As far as I'm aware, yes. Because he is, as we said at the beginning, he's on the show tonight. He is. Jake Humphrey is on with us. Now, I'll confess, I, I catch F1 when I can, mm. uh, but I'm, I'm not a big fan in terms of, you know, knowing, not going into the detail that you would have in your little brain. He left F1 uh, to go. You're saying he effed off from F1? He effed off from F1. Right. And he effed off to uh, BT, who got the gig. To cover football, remember this? Oh yes, yeah, which yeah. is just weird. And that's a, um, I understand. The word on the grapevine is he was paid an awful lot of money to go from there to there. And whether he goes back, I don't know. 
Not allowed, to, not allowed to ask him that. Huh? Oh. That's what he said on the text. Don't ask me if I'm going back to F1. Ask him anyway. I'll ask him. From Ian Hamilton. Hey, Ian. That's you, not him. Otherwise, he'd be talking to himself. Ever done the Fandango? All the time. From Newmarket Johnny. If you guys were... <laughs> Newmarket Johnny. It sounds like a sort of knockoff condom, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Get your Newmarket Johnny's exactly, here. Exactly, yeah. You've tried Jurex. Now try the <laughs> Newmarket Johnny. <laughs> for a pound. Uh, if you guys were superheroes, what would your powers be? I just think to make my <laughs> fire jam darts. <laughs> I just think it's a neat idea in the high street. He just pissed me off. Have some of this, sucker! <laughs> I was going to say flying would be quite cool, but I think you've got that trumped. Uh, from Mexican Mike. I'm a physicist and have worked out the mathematical... Hang on, we have a physicist listening to us. Yeah, who calls himself Mexican Mike. Great. I'm a physicist and have worked out the mathematical equation that explains the existence of George Osborne. <laughs> Would you like me to tell you? No. I'd be interested. Yeah. Something equals C, surely. Yeah, it has. But no, I, no idea. No. Do we want to know? Send yeah. it th- through to us. Yeah, well... Why did he just send it through to us? He's trailing ahead. We've got people listening to us trailing, doing their own trails now. More next week from Mexican... What's his name? Mike. Mexican Mike. Thank you, Mike. Uh, finally, from Bondo, the drunk Irish clown. Hey. What's the big hit of the summer? Now, I don't know if he means as in music or as in TV, as in radio or podcasts... Or some sort of new dance craze, perhaps. It's we don't want another new dance craze, surely. Well, uh, There's been two. I mean, I'm assuming LBC did a Harlem Shake video because every other radio station in the country did one, no? Uh, d- no. <laughs> I can't name Nick Ferrari on the Harlem Shake. Yes, it would have been something. Nick Ferrari with James Max sitting on his shoulder. <laughs> no, we didn't do one at LBC. No? No. I'm not really surprised. But I am aware that a lot of radio stations, including my former employers... Yeah. Uh, they did some of that as well. But, the, I mean, you had your Gangnam style as well. That was big for a while. That's what I mean. So there's been two. Yeah, Gangnam and Harlem. And, I mean, who, I mean, who actually downloads that stuff? Who, who genuinely buys it? Well, you I have, don't know. You I have, haven't. haven't you? No, I haven't. You have? No, I haven't. Have you bought it for somebody? No, well, no, you don't have to because it, it's all on YouTube. Yeah, but if you actually want to own, you know, the crispy, clean feed download, have you... Gone to iTunes and purchased that piece of sh. No. Okay. No. I believe you. Uh, if you've got any questions for us, <laughs> what a way to end send it. them through to uh, Kev at onceaword.com or Ian at onceaword.com and we, we try to get through a cross section of them. We try. That's it. We finished. Yeah, let's go to the pub. <laughs> oh, I love it. There might be a change uh, around this feature. You know, we do intersperse this yeah. with uh, random acts of satisfaction. Oddly, which I've got one to go in with the random acts of annoyance. That's very strange. That's very strange. Are you allowed to double up like It's that? a mix and match special, Kev. It is? Yeah. It's like a big gangbang of a feature. <laughs> it's a slut of a feature. Random acts of irrational annoyance. Uh, these are those tiny things in life that piss you off. They don't really matter, but they still and they just annoy you. They're not really relevant. People say, don't worry, calm down. Nothing's going to happen. Everything's all right. And they're very annoying when they say that. But to you, you want to do this ah! when they happen. And we've got a big old list here. Kev, have you got one? I have two. Yeah. Uh, overuse of the word seriously. 
people seem to sort of, particularly on social media, say, oh, I think this is seriously bad, or, yep. uh, you know, EastEnders seriously has to up its game or whatever else. No, seriously is for tragedies or murders or whatever else. Correct. Seriously is not for television. Yep. Stop using it to make yourself sound more important when actually it doesn't yeah. suit you. Shut up. Seriously, shut up. I see what you did there. Oh, yes. Uh, secondly, I've, I've spent a little bit of time in a hospital recently, visiting mainly, not actually being there myself. You castrated. Uh, no, no, not yet. Should be. People keep trying, I know, yeah. Uh, but um, is there an intentional design uh, thought to make all hospital equipment look as terrifying as possible? They're not, like, painted with flowers or, uh, or cuddly-looking with a bit of fur or trim. They are there to look big and flat and metal and scary. Don't you think if you're going to stick someone in an MRI machine, for example, you would at least want it to look, you know, like it was, you know, comical. Let Make it look like it's it's Lenny Henry's mouth that you're sailing into. <laughs> <laughs> I don't what JLS posters you as you go be, through. Well, something to look at as yeah. well, you know. Maybe a little screen, pop videos. But they all, it just all looks terrifying, but it's not even like those machines. It's things like the no. beds or the things to lift the beds or the nurses. They, they all look sort of scary. And I quite like the NHS. I think they do a good job. I know that's another debate. We're not going to go there again this week. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you on that. You know, I've, I've spent a, a bit of time in the old hospital. And strangely, the most comfortable place... Is the chemotherapy room? <laughs> I kid you not. Yes, because I've been in there with my mum a fair bit, and you know, there's carpets and nice chairs. And although clearly what's happening in there is all a bit grim, yeah, uh, you hope it's all for the good, but you know, the the underpinning of what it's about is a bit grim. But they manage carpet. Oh, do they? Yes, they have carpet. That's now right. I do understand. You don't want carpet in the incontinence uh, ward, for example, because <laughs> that would just be rubbish unless you've got an industrial Dyson on your hands. Yeah, but you would, I mean, you know, let's just make these things look a little bit more friendly. I'd tell you what they could do, you know, for patients who are going to be coming out soon. They could have, uh, like, a massive waltzer of beds. <laughs> That's brilliant. The louder you scream, the faster <laughs> we go. That's it, really. Yep. It's just like making make things a bit friendlier and people will be happier. If you have things that look like giant warrior robots mm. that are going to eat you, then I think people are less likely to be happy in hospital. The maternity unit could be like a big wheel, couldn't it? With the little babies <laughs> on each one. And you just grab yours as it comes round. That's what they've got to do. Fairground it up. Yeah. Put the fun back into hospitals, you miserable bastards. No, no you see, you're right. Fairground it up. But the wheel idea is stupid. You want it to be like those hook-a-duck things? Where you have like a little crib with a baby in, and you have to. It might yes. not be yours, yeah, but yeah, yeah. you might get a good one. Yeah. And then if things go really bad and you're not happy, you can uh, throw a coconut at Jeremy Hunt, <laughs> which would be quite a nice sort of just at the exit department there before you go out to the car park and pay fifty quid. We're on to something here. I think we are. Yeah. This is the new NHS bill. Privatizing the NHS, fine, as long as you put the fairground clause in. Yeah. Has to be run by carnies. Yeah. Simple as that. I do have a cheeky third one. Oh, on. Yeah. Christine Bleakley. That's all. Okay. Uh, here's, here's a couple as well. Um, one is the, when you go to a website, so you, you're buying something like, you know, some kind of gadget or computer, and it says, uh, enlarge this photo. So you think, oh, okay, honey, because I'd like to see a bigger version of this, and you press click, and up pops a box with the same size photo in it. <laughs> that seems to be pretty standard now. What uh, is that? It's not a bigger photo. It's just a box with the photo in. 
is you've not actually made it any bigger. You've just shown me the same picture. Don't do it. The other is Google Maps. In fact, Street View, to be precise. Can anyone really work that? Here's what happens, Okay, So you put the address in. You get the little man. You drag him over. Why does he always go to the road round the corner first? (laughs) He does. So I'm going to get that sucker back on that road (laughs) I want. I definitely want that. I want to find out if that shop actually does still exist. So you stick him in the little road, and then you begin your journey with the mouse. And away, a little arrow there. I'll just click that. Just off he goes. Whoa, I'm in a pothole. How does that happen? You suddenly just go, you're zoomed downwards. Then it goes at 100 miles an hour to the end of the road. Then it takes you back. And then it... Is there a, a correct way to work Google Street View? But don't you think it's amazing that they've effectively it, they've, it, they've mapped the world? It is the nearest you get to believing David Icke because it's just too weird. Yeah. They actually, you, what, you sent a car around and photographed everywhere. Yeah, yes, yeah. Pretty much. But it's extraordinary, yeah. though. It is extraordinary. Although I have to say they clearly don't do it too well because I don't know if you've noticed the detail on people's faces. It's just rubbish. Now, that's what people look like in Bromley. Oh, okay. Yes, that's standard fare. I'll have a look later. So don't worry about that. But it is a, it's just a bit of a... No, it's still a little bit clunky to try and work the thing. I'll tell you what I was looking for. I was trying to find hang, out... Hang on, though. Hang on, though. Someone has come up with a picture of the whole world, and yep. you're complaining that it's a little bit clunky. Here's what I was... Because it did, did have a use to this, OK? So, last week, I had to go and have my photo taken for the LBC oh. website. So I hate those kind of things. So uh, I thought the day before, I'll check out if there's any parking where I'm going to go. So street view, off I go. So it takes me, as these things I was saying, takes me on a little tour of the capital first in every street by the one I bloody well want. And eventually I get there and I see in the road, I I saw saw the the studio that I've got to go to, and I noticed there was parking bay. I thought, are they permit holders only? Am I going to get there and discover that I've got to walk with a rack of suits down a 15 roads? How to many get there? suits are you wearing for all this? Right, I, took, I took one, right. all right, but. It was on its own rack. It was on its own rack, as right. always. Uh, so I wanted to see the parking sign. I could not get the street view to show me the parking sign. It showed me at the curb. Right. It showed me the sky at one point <laughs> when I hit it in a certain direction. Yeah. And then it pissed off at 120 miles an hour down the road. Yeah. So, yes, it is an amazing bit of kit, but uh, sadly, it's hard to work. I think you should write to Google. Yeah, I'm going to write to Eric at Google. Eric Google. Uh, Rail says, uh, when socks slide down off your feet inside your Wellington boots. Horrible. It is horrible. And I don't think there's any experience quite like it. Are you still wearing wellies? Um, as you can see. Lovely. I've got me hunters on now. He also says, when you send in an annoyance into the podcast, only for it to be ignored, and then it gets read out when someone else sends the same thing in three weeks later. That's not our fault. Andre, get your f***ing act together. Billy No Gates. Hey! Says, people who nick your gates. <laughs> Sol in Lancaster says, this is a bit gross, but it's true. When the tissue breaks as you blow your hooter. Yes. All out a bit of that. Well, I was talking about copious amounts of coldy snot the other week, and yeah. you know. But then, yeah, do you carry a handkerchief? Do you have a conventional sort of cloth handkerchief with your initials on it? <laughs> yes, I have spats and a cane as well. You should wear. What spats. do you think? <laughs> no, Some you should wear Edwardian spats. Sausage. I'm amazed you don't wear spats. Actually. Yes, they would look great. They would look great. Yeah, I'll try that. You should bring spats back. Uh, now, this is Kevin Neal in Birmingham. Uh, this is actually a random act of satisfaction, uh, but, but I thought it was a real good one that we'd throw it in. Oh, okay. There's a bit of a curveball. Uh, it says, loving the podcast. 
Uh, random acts of satisfaction, mosquitoes. Oh. He says, no, go with me on this. Right. He said, I spend a lot of time trekking through jungles. He doesn't say why. <laughs> Sounds adventurous and romantic. It's not. Hot as f- <laughs> and you grow mould on your undercrackers. Oh, nice. Lovely. Part of the fun, though, is being bitten by the little winged twats that suck your blood and leave you with an exotic and interesting disease. By dosing yourself with various toxic chemicals, you can prevent the latter, but still have to endure the former. But, you know the satisfaction of scratching a mozzie bite? Well, next time you get one, leave it until you climb into bed at night, settle yourself comfortably, and take a long, slow, deep scratch. Honestly, it's like having a clitoris on your leg. (laughs) Brackets, I imagine. What a weirdo. I think he's onto something. Is he? I got bitten a couple of weeks back. Yeah. And right. it there is a moment when you scratch and you think this is actually pretty darn satisfying. The whole experience is nasty, but it's satisfying. Isn't it? Because I know that if you go to tropical countries, they recommend uh, insect repellents with stuff called DEET in it. And DEET mm. wards them off. But also, isn't there something like uh, some moisturizer, some skin cream? You'll know this. Uh, that you put on in the army or the navy use it. And it, not only does it keep your skin supple and soft, but mozzies hate it so they don't go near it. Really? Yeah. I don't think it's oil of you later or anything. If you play the Ready One Breakfast show on a speaker, that gets rid of them as well, apparently. <laughs> uh, Gemma in Southampton says, Men who go in for the kiss too quickly. I recently went on a date, met outside a shop, walked 500 yards to the pub, and before we walked in, he went for the full lip kiss. Is that not a bit weird? Yeah. It's, it's a tricky situation, though. He should have waited until he got you past River Island, shouldn't he? <laughs> yeah. So they're meeting up. So yeah. they meet up in the high street. They say, well, walk down the road to the pub. And then, as they're walking in the pub, uh, he goes for tonsil detail. That's too early. It seems a little presumptuous. Although I am reminded of being in New Zealand and going to a Maori village. And the guy sort of, as, as we got out of the taxi, the guy walked up to me and grabbed my shoulders. I kissed him on the cheek. He was actually doing the nose rub thing. Right. Yeah, but I kissed him on the cheek. Luke, the bingo machine repairman. <laughs> so, who repairs bingo machines? Bingo Luke, machines? Luke does. He says, my random act of rational annoyance are community support officers. Why do they all look like characters from Beatrix Potter? <laughs> Weasels and toads, all of them. They do a bit, actually. True story, yeah. Oh. Uh, this is from Nev in Sunderland, who says, Southern wives who think they know what hardship is. They haven't got a clue. Get back to your castles, you pasty bastards! Sorry, where was he? Sunderland. Sunderland, mm. which I think is south of Scotland, in fact. Doesn't so that make him southerner? He's a southerner, doesn't that make him a southerner? Yeah, but that's the crazy thing about all that territorial... You know, they, 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 they're they trying to hurt the people in the north and the people in the south have never had it so good. I get that all the time. It's, again, back to the perceptions. Mm. You know, the strange thing is the first coal miners to come out on strike were the Kent coal miners. The last ones to go back to work with the Kent coal miners. So don't be giving me all that Yorkshire shite when it comes to who came out for the workers. Coal not dull. I had the badge. Hardly the work of a Thatcherite, I think you'd agree, Kev. I thought we were all Thatcherites now. You seen the Arthur Scargill interview when he's asked about yes. Thatcher and he yeah. just remains quiet? Yeah. Can't say anything nice. Dot, dot, dot. If you've got any random acts of irrational annoyance, send them through to us. Uh, Kev at onceaword.com. Ian at what's a word.com. The Mitsubishi L200 comes with a 125,000 mile five year warranty. 
In fact, if you bought an L200 today, it would last roughly five years longer than a politician's promise. For more info on the Mitsubishi L200, visit your local dealer. The Mitsubishi L200. No environment too tough. Sideshow Kev's Showbiz Shoebox. You see, I'm not even going to say I'm mad at this anymore, because this could well be the the very last one. Is that right? Well, previously on Once a Word, yep. this happened. Five out of five. Five out of five on the shoebox. Which means next week, if we get the full five, it's a run of three, and as promised, contractual agreement, we ditch this feature. Look at his little face over there. These are dark Look, days. his eyes are welling up already. Dark days. His little ears are flapping. Look at that. Dark days. How do you flap your ears like that? Dark days for the country's most popular podcast feature. Yeah, right. The stakes are high. Yeah. If Ian Collins, that's you, gets five out of five, then no more shoebox. And I have to be honest, I don't think my chances are particularly good, chums. So this week, to make it a little trickier, mm. these largely straightforward showbiz questions will not be multiple choice. I am the quiz master. Hang I on. have to give myself a little bit of leeway. But that's just cheating. It's not cheating. Yeah, because I was in with a fighting chance before. You, well, you no, might still not... be. You claim to be radio's most intelligent man and <laughs> podcasting's best dressed. So I think you've got a good chance. All right. Possibly. But of course, being true to the origins of the shoebox, we're still all about showbiz and celebrity fluff. So there's everything to play for. Yeah. Andre, give me some everything to play for music. For possibly the final time. Very simply, Ed Collins. Okay. Showbiz. Yep. And associated questions. No, I'm all right with that. Here we go. Number one. Friends star Jennifer Aniston has lovely hair. It's usually very shiny. With that in mind, the writer and philosopher Jeremy Bentham, 1748 to 1832, is usually associated with which school of thought? Uh, Utilitarianism. Right. Number two. Controversial comedy legend Stan Boardman has, in his career, played before nearly half a million people in his highly successful live shows. But what is, rounded to three decimal places, the atomic weight of uranium? It is at, hang on, two, three, eight points. Uh, I remember this, zero, two, nine. Bastard. Number three. Ancient Never the Twain star Donald Sinden still, to this day, enjoys a good pork pie. So, what relatively modern area of philosophy, which originated in literature in the mid-1900s, broadly embodies the notion of individual freedom of choice within a disordered and inexplicable universe? Existentialism. Right. Okay, fine, fine. Number four. So right, yeah? Yeah, that's right. That's what the bell means. Number four. Former Olympic athlete... Fanny Babu was born on the 26th of March, 1989. But what United States patent is patent number 1909537? Nah, 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 nah. It's the driving movie theatre, isn't it? And finally, number five. Uh, which actor played the ninth Doctor in BBC TV's Doctor Who? The ninth Doctor? The no- yeah, the ninth Doctor. Okay, the ninth, that, that would have... Um, it's all on this. It's all on this question. It's not- easy. Oh. I know you slagged it off. You have you have been anti-Doctor Who on the this podcast. On it's now coming Baker, back to bite you on the arse. Colin this is Baker, it. I've got you. Davidson. Stop stalling. I think. I think. 
Ladies and gentlemen, we are experiencing technical difficulties. Please stand by. We will return to our regularly scheduled program momentarily. Please stay tuned. Right, well, that was pretty much the expected outcome. Yeah, what about that? You see, a lot of people have been saying, uh, where's Jake? There's almost T-shirts that say, where's Jake? Where's Jake gone? <laughs> Uh, we wondered where he'd gone, so yeah. we invited him to come here. Look who's in our studio, Kev. It's only the former F1 presenter, Jake Humphrey. Jake Humphrey! Nice to see you. With How some sushi. Yeah, I, everywhere I go, I demand I have sushi That's with what I heard, me. yeah. Yeah, so, mo- that's modern broadcasting for you. It's like a little rider that you've got there. Would you uh, like some raw salmon? It's, like, it's all happening in there, isn't it? Yeah. Raw salmon and... It's good, actually. A bit of soy sauce, some wasabi. Yeah. So that is part of... Yeah, oh, so, so so I sound like this. It's because I've eaten. I have. I, I did speak to somebody once who cracked open a Mars bar, and I won't say who it was. In the middle was. of the interview? Yeah, yeah. They no. probably, I mean, they probably went for it. There was no... Did you make light of the fact they were eating a Mars bar live on your radio show? I did that kind of, hey, you got a Mars bar, and they went, mmm, it's nice, isn't it? Unbelievable. Yeah, so I... Uh, I can't them. believe anyone would be so rude. It's terrible, isn't it? Yeah. Have another piece. <laughs> so it is... That is actually delicious. <laughs> <laughs> April is National Car Care Month. Mm-hmm. So d- d- does that mean that you have to polish down the smart car ready for basically every april no you just about a smart car my wife had one for a long time did she but you know what? we got rid of it because they said oh the great thing about a smart car is if you get a smart car everything's cheap about it low fuel economy yeah, yeah. and if you need to be serviced it'll be really cheap so we took it in because it had this funny noise coming out of the air conditioning unit and they went yeah this uh the pipe there's a the, the pipe is damaged and how much is a new pipe well it's 60 quid i said oh, i love these smart cars that's brilliant and he went but we will have to move the engine block which will cost 350 I thought a smart car, you just open the window for... Yeah, exactly, air for air conditioning. conditioning. That's how it should have been, shouldn't it? You know who's got a smart car? Go on. A uh, mutual friend of ours, Alan Hyde. Alan Hyde, the, the nicest man in motorsport. The nicest man in motorsport. Yeah. Has. Who I hear on your show from time Absolutely. to time. Absolutely, yeah. He has, he has a smart car. He's, well, got, I never. he's got his normal car, and then he decided that he was too, essentially, just too mean to buy... Um, a car that uses much fuel. uses much fuel, so yeah. I bought a smart car. <laughs> Well, well done, Alan Hyde. We've got some questions, Jake. Great. Uh, Mark the Cabby says, can you ask Jake how... I like this question, how high he jumped when he first realised a few years ago that he got the F1 gig? Very high. Probably <laughs> over the top of your cab, Mark. I mean, I'm already six foot three to start with, yeah, yeah. so I went to quite a height. Yeah, it was a funny one, actually, because I didn't really audition for the job. I was working on Children's BBC at mm. the time, and I saw that they were looking for a presenter of Formula One. And every time I was hosting a show called Mobster Lobster at the time where I wore a lobster outfit and I ran around the Blue Garden. Of course you didn't. (laughs) Popping balloons full of foam. And if a big starfish came out, that's ten points. A small starfish was five points. And every time I opened the newspaper, it was like, Gabby Logan's going to be the new F1 presenter. Richard Hammond's the new host of F1. Jeremy Clarkson's going to make a triumphant return to motorsport. Or Chris Evans is going to be the new host. They never, ever said the Mobster Lobster presenter is going to get the F1 job. Um, And then... The day came and they offered me they offered me the role, which was great. Apart from when they announced I'd got it, when my wife rang me in tears because she'd been on the internet and there was about six million messages on the BBC Sport website saying either "Who is he?" or "Get what? him off already." Yeah, 
That is, but the, the jump from CBBC to, yeah. I mean, there's no natural organic process no. to go. You, they might put you through a bit of daytime first normally and a few other bits and pieces, but to go from that, from the lobster show, mm. I mean, big as it was, Jake, <laughs> but to the, from the lobster show straight to the pit yeah. lane. I mean, I that's an was... extraordinary move. Yeah, but you see, what people forget is that surely doing seven or eight years of children's BBC was perfect prep for working with Eddie Jordan. <laughs> so what I think I think the boss had gone, hold on, yeah, right, yeah. we know we've already signed up Eddie, we need someone who can deal with children. Who have we got? And that was where I came into the equation. Uh, we've got a couple of unfair questions Go here on. that might put you on the spot a bit. Uh, Kevin Tierney says, Lewis Hamilton or Jensen Button? Jensen Button. Yeah? Mm, nice guy. Is that enough said? Yeah. OK. <laughs> <laughs> Steve, the L200 driver, says, uh, did you ever see a right old scrap in the pit lane uh, or the garages that never made the news? Let me think. Well... Yeah, I mean, quite. What was always quite interesting, actually. I mean, do you remember the? Um, do you remember the story of Lewis Hamilton joining Mercedes? Yes. Which was broken by our very own Eddie Jordan. Yep. We were that weekend when we went to the Italian Grand Prix. Eddie was effectively told he was banned from the McLaren motorhome yeah. for revealing such a story that has no basis and is never going to happen. And is, you know, you've put the team out of kilter. You've ruined Lewis Hamilton's brain for the weekend. He can't focus on the racing. So all of this was happening off camera whilst we were live that weekend. You know, wow. we were pretty much being frog marched past the McLaren motor. And we weren't really wanted in there. And lo and behold, whilst some people were saying Eddie Jordan's well wide of the mark, he was absolutely spot on, wasn't yeah. he? Yeah. And that, I mean, it is obviously, it's a profession with a lot of, um, it's a lot of egos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd imagine that's probably the understatement, isn't it? Of the, yeah. Is, is there a profession that is more ego-driven than that one? I don't know whether there is, but I, I think from I the driver's perspective, I think they, they need that. You know, the drivers, you're getting in a car at 200 miles an hour, you're racing wheel to wheel, you've got to back your ability, haven't you? You've got to, you, you almost need to think that you are, you're special, you're a chosen mm. one. Otherwise, you might start thinking, is this a safe thing to do? You know, you have to feel safe, yeah, don't yeah. you? You need to feel special, you know? Because I was watching last week, and, yeah. uh, watching Susie and that, going around the, you know, the pit lanes and doing yeah, all the yeah. interviews and all the rest of it, and thinking to myself, and, and, and you know, knowing a few guys who are in your industry as well in different tournaments and the like, just that difficult, that relationship with a driver, you know, when do you approach a driver? When is it all right to go up to a driver? Yeah. You don't know what's being said to them. They might have just had a row with their team. Anything could have happened. Then, of course, you pitch up with a camera yeah. and a massive it's microphone. It's tricky, and there are times when they're brilliant and there are times when they're not, but I think you always have to remind yourself that they are at work. For us, we're there to get their interview. The yeah. fans, they're there to get their autograph. But for the teams and the drivers, that's their office. That's their day at work. They only do that 20 times a year. 20 times a year a driver will turn up that's to drive it. in a Formula 1 race until they really want us ramming our microphone under their nose two minutes before the race going, how do you feel about going into turn one? You know, it's like, hold on, <laughs> just let me concentrate on my job for a <laughs> minute. Right. And, um, you know, I, I never envy the guys out on the grid, you know, Martin sure. or DC doing their grid walks. I wouldn't want to do that because yeah, I just yeah. think... That's time for that driver to have to themselves. Of course it? it is. When I was a kid, um, we used to watch those holiday programmes, you know, yeah. like you do with the family. Uh, and my dad used to get very, very annoyed uh, that the presenters were just having a holiday. And he would, <laughs> it was uh, irrational, frankly. Brilliant. He was really fuming at this. Was you know, he really? Judith Chalmers, he hated. Little does he know he Judith couldn't... was flying out the day before and flying home two minutes well, after they finished filming. Well, that's the thing, because now I watch, like, when, when you were doing F1 or mm. whatever, and I think, that's not a job. Yeah. How are you doing this? But, of course, I'm guessing that when you get a Bahrain, wherever it happens to be, from the minute you land, it's yeah. probably pretty full on. Yeah, it was. And, you know, when you're working for the BBC, they're not going to spend too much money on travel. So I spent a lot of time with my knees up around my ears, flying around <laughs> the world in economy, or if I was lucky, premium economy. Yeah. Um, and, you know, when we got, say, like South Korea, for example, we didn't stay in hotels um, that you would normally expect to stay in. The only hotel available was what they called a love motel. 
which is really? normally hired out by the hour. So people Just see... I love motor. Yeah. So people see this gorgeous, glamorous job of you walking around... You're a BBC story here, you're telling us, Jake. Well, <laughs> yeah, maybe. That's what they, that was the only accommodation available to us. And it was, we had to run the gauntlet every morning to get past the owner who would demand the key back so he could sell the room by the hour while we were out. Wow. Um, so it was little things like that where people don't see that. You know, or mm. the fact that when we were in Turkey, we would have to sit in a car for about four hours to get to the circuit because the, the traffic to get from the European side to the Asian side sure. was so bad. Or when we did the Monaco Grand Prix, the BBC would put us up in Nice because they couldn't afford to keep us in Monaco, so we'd be on the train getting into wow. work every day. It looks glamorous, and that's part of the job, really. Part of the job yeah. is to make people tune into Formula One and think, wow. But the and reality is it's not quite the same. And to make it look relaxed and... Yeah, completely. Because yeah, no yeah. one wants to see you looking... Quite, not, quite absolutely. The reality is, I'm jet lagged, staying in a hotel twenty miles away, having ironed my shirt in the production office ten minutes before. Yeah, but not, not any hotel, as you've just discovered. The Love Motel. Yeah, at, at times, yeah. <laughs> what about what about the season so far? What are you thinking this year? But interesting. I don't think it's had the the fire and the buzz and the the fireworks we've seen in previous years. Yep. I think it's interesting seeing the relationship breakdown at Red Bull. Um, and interesting, you know, Perez really getting racy sure. with Jensen Button. And I think the team can't moan at Perez for that because I think the reason why he was like that was because they made it crystal clear after the first couple of races that he's not been f- punchy enough or far enough. You know, he now he now has to make other drivers around him think, he's yeah. a McLaren driver, better watch out for him. He won't be easy to overtake. He'll try and get past me at an inopportune moment. You know, get your elbows out, Sergio. Sure. Show why you're at one of the top teams. Drive like you're at one of the top teams. Have that belief in your ability. You're not at Sauber anymore. What doesn't happen, of course, nobody bites anybody, do they? In, uh, if, you know, when they get no, only because they're wearing the helmets. helmets so, yeah. away, they, probably, they probably would yeah. if they could. Doesn't happen at Carrow Road very often either, does it? Never happens at Carrow Road. Yeah. Far too well behaved for them. <laughs> have, you, have you had any road rage incidents, by the way, since you became involved in F1? Uh, a couple or of times. Or have you been pulled over? A couple of t- I've never been pulled over, but a couple of times I have. Um, well, once I pulled out when I thought someone was letting me out. Yeah. And I then got this barrage of abuse. And thankfully. I, I just smiled and said, I'm very sorry, yeah. because about two minutes later, I, there was this person on Twitter going, I have Jake Humphrey, I just spotted him pulling out in front of me in his car. And it was... Uh, the, the thing is, when you work in Formula One, I think, you know, you, you're, you're recognisable as someone of course you when are. it comes to being on the roads. Yeah, and yeah. Um, so you always have to be a little bit careful. We had James May on the show uh, a little while ago. I can't uh, imagine him having road rage. No, but he says he doesn't. He says, but when he gets in a cab, every cab driver wants to kind of audition for him. And he, so they're like a star in a reasonably fast cab he flying was around. He genuinely Hammersley. flustered when he got there because he'd just been through this really? maniacal journey with this guy who was saying, you know, I should be on your show, James. Watch Look this. what I can do. And off he went round Trafalgar Square. Oh, he said it was. And, I and said, those black cabs, you slip off the seats anyway, don't you? Fine. <laughs> right, Every time they yeah. break, you're sliding and smashing <laughs> into the plastic glass behind the driver's head. So. Nice to fun. see you, Jake. Thank Thanks you. a lot. Credit stream. And there you go. All done, kids. Time for bed. We are, of course, back next week for another shiny new episode. Thanks to you for downloading. If you like what we do and want to help support this podcast, get over to iTunes to rate, review, and, of course, subscribe. Android users can try us on the free Stitcher app or download at stitcher.com slash once a word. Thanks to all of our guests. All can be followed on Twitter, as can we, by the way, at Ian Collins UK. The in-show feature and sponsor music is by Kevin McLeod. His website is incomputech.com. The show technical operator is Andre Porch program edited by Joe Marshall our researcher was the Sultan of Brunei and today's chunky fact comes courtesy of Kenny in Aberdeen who tells me that llamas have the same size brains as humans 
but only 0.001% of their intellect. In some cases, it's the other way round. I should know. I used to work for TalkSport. And as ever, the in-show catering was provided by Abdul's Coffee Shack. We're back next week with fellow pod people and all-round nice folk, Helen and Ollie from the Answer Me This podcast. Goodbye. A Big Things Media production. Big Things! Ian Collins wants a word. Powered by the Mitsubishi L200. With a five-year, 125,000-mile warranty, that's longer than an MP's expenses claim. Yeah, you forget how strong cocktails are.